Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Lightning are red hot, having won eight in a row heading into tonight's game against Edmonton. But Nikita Kucherov, Anthony Sorelli, Steven Stamkos, and Ryan McDonough are all injured. How concerned? Should Lightning fans be? And Yanni Gord got bleh. and Yanni Gord broke a 35-game goalless streak with the game winner in overtime against Pittsburgh Tuesday. What did he and his teammates have to say about that? We'll discuss it all with Diana Neros, who covers the Tampa Bay Lightning for the Tampa Bay Times. And we'll do a little Bucks and Rays talk as well on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, you may have heard of Tampa Bay Downs. If you haven't been there for yourself, what's holding you back? Tampa Bay Downs has been a Tampa entertainment landmark since 1926. Okay, Mike Henry joins us now from Tampa Bay Downs. And, Mike, another exciting uh, race weekend, of course, but a special uh, weekend as well uh, with the Festival Preview Day. Tell us about that and what you got coming up this week. Well, hello, Rick. Good to talk to you again. We were a little concerned about the weather going into Saturday because it had been a very chilly Friday, and it turned into about as nice a day as you could imagine. Mm. I think the temperature might have hit 70, but the sun was out all day. Uh, the racing fans in the area responded. We had 5,300 people on, and they wagered 11 point, well, they contributed to uh, wait 11.5 million, which wow. is the largest ever for a festival preview day or uh, any year that we uh, have had Sam F. Davis Day. Uh, a young three-year-old named Sole Volante won the Sam F. Davis Stakes. He upset Independence Hall, and it'll be interesting to see where both of those horses go next on the road to the Kentucky Derby in May. But uh, Sole Volante with the big win, and then Daniel Centeno, the six-time Tampa Bay Downs jockey champion won two big stakes Saturday, and all credit to him and trainer Arno Delacour. So there was a lot of international flavor, as you can tell by these names, mm-hmm. and it was just a very exciting day of racing. And then this Saturday you have your sprint showcase, right? We do. We have two six-for-long races coming up. Uh, the one for the boys is the $100,000 Pelican Stakes. And the favorite will probably be the defending champion, Killy Beggs Captain. Uh, he won the race last year under jockey Sammy Camacho, and they're going to be reunited Saturday. Uh, the favorite in the $50,000 Minaret Stakes is a nice mare named Ladies Island, who was 8 for 9 last year. Uh, she is owned in part by Rich Averill of nearby Bradenton. And... Um, uh, she uh, is trained by Gerald Bennett, and she's just an outstanding mare. I am not going to comment on the fact that the male's race is for $100,000 purse <laughs> and the female's race is for $50,000. i am going to leave that <laughs> to somebody else. <laughs> well, it should be exciting. And then Sunday, of course, uh, one of the favorite things you guys do, uh, second time this year, the Kids and Family Day. Tell us about that. Yeah, we had four. We have four of them scheduled, and uh, we had the first one last Sunday, and it was a huge turnout. 
Uh, it's uh, a lot of games and events for kids, uh, pony rides for the younger kids out in the backyard picnic area, all kind of games, uh, bounce houses, and just a place for families to unwind during the races. And uh, in tandem with that, one of our races will be selected as what we call the Generation Z Special. And the Generation Z Special allows uh, young fans 18 and under to come down after that specific race and get their picture taken in the winner's circle with the jockeys. Uh, it's proving very popular, and so we're looking forward to that again Sunday. And you can call Tampa Bay Downs for more information at 813-855-4401 and check out their website at tampabaydowns.com for more information and 2020 promotions. And make sure to make plans to live it up at the Downs. Before we uh, talk to Diana, the big news, and I mean big news. Tom Brady is signed? <laughs> no. Oh. Bigger than that. <laughs> Much wait, whoa, bigger. Wait, wait, wait. Bigger than Tom Brady signing? <laughs> well, yeah, because it's more lasting. It's it's something that the, the fans have been clamoring for. Philip Rivers before... is signing. No. Teddy Bridgewater? Be... Uh-uh. <laughs> even before those guys became potential free agents. I'm telling you, this is transformative. This is... This is uh, earth-shattering. This is for the kids. The Tampa Bay Bucks put out a video, more or less, confirming without a statement they will indeed have new uniforms in 2020. Super Bowl, here they come. <laughs> right. That's all it's they needed. Prob- problem solved. Problem solved. That's going to cut down the interceptions. <laughs> all of it. It's going to make more tackles. You know, you, you're so negative, <laughs> um, and so am I, apparently, when I'm getting on Twitter about this. Look, I, I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, everybody loves new stuff, right? New gear, mm-hmm. likes change, you know, change for change's sake. I mean, we don't wear the same clothes every day, I guess. And, heck, it's great for merchandise sales when you come up with the new stuff. But I also think we've been a little over the top about this. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the, of the latest, you know, redesign. I, I always thought, to but be honest But you're not a 25-year-old guy either. Well, that's true. That's true. I'm not, and I don't wear their gear, so that's there's that too. You know, I'm, I'm not like somebody is wearing this stuff. So, um, so perhaps if you're a Bucks fan, you're looking for new gear, and you're tired of what of what you've seen. But the uniforms, the on field uniforms, of course, I'm not a fan of the alarm clock numbers. And I thought, I thought they they whiffed a little bit. I like the helmets. I thought they did a nice job with that. But anyway, if you've seen the ad, um, it's it's uh, some random dude that you never really see pulls up to Raymond James Stadium. Hops out of the car, has a little case that he un, 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 you know, unbuckles or whatever, and proceeds to like take newspapers out with various headlines um, that would indicate that uh, there's, there's going to be a uniform change and um, that it might have something to do with, you know, uh, blast from the past, kind of all-time team, all that kind of stuff. Um, and... Then there's a logo, you know, the current Bucks sort of logo, and he he begins to wallpaper this thing with the newspapers, and then and then splash colors, and and the colors. The only thing I could tell, other than rather than pewter, if it is pewter, it looks more like a gray, like a shade, like fifty shades of gray. No, like a like a shade of gray or silver, more gray than silver, but not pewter. More more gray than pewter. So maybe that's the biggest modification. There is orange on his little collage that he's painting. And then, of course, the Buccaneer Red. Um, they don't appear to be changing the logo, but who knows? Who knows how, how radical this will be? But it seems to be a return to uh, maybe their Super Bowl days. 
Well, let's hope nice. the, let's hope that forces the play to return to that too. So, <laughs> right. Well, yeah. If and, only. And look, I kid. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Bucks' current uniforms either. Yeah. But I think you know, there's way too much time and energy focused on the uniforms for the from fans. Well, I mean, I, I'd rather focus on the play on the field. But unfortunately, I think that you know that's what happens is there's nothing exciting going on in the field. No. I mean, after 12 years of 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 failure and disappointment, only two winning seasons, people you know, start looking at other places. They, they they get bored and they start looking around and, and then they concentrate on not who's in the uniform but what what, what the uniform looks like. So um but anyway, at least at least the Glazers are attempting to fix this. Could there could they could they not fix the football team next? Well it, and, it, and if you, new uniforms are coming, I believe the way the NFL system works is that meant they started working on this last off season. At least a year, yeah. It, it takes it at, at least, least a year, year through their process. That's correct. Um, I think the I, I read somewhere that the rules were like you know essentially by the the draft or the new year the year prior mm-hmm. you have to indicate your desire for a new uniform so that's right it's been at least a year in the works if a new one is coming sometime this yeah. you know this off season and they're going to do a slow rollout and build up the drama and who knows when they'll actually have guys walk out there and model it I don't think it'll be a a tremendous difference but it might be maybe they'll maybe they'll get rid of pewter maybe they'll be uh, more silver or gray or who knows. Look like a lot more like like Ohio State or something. I don't know. That would make you happy. I know being a Michigan guy, but um, but yeah. So that's not. And then the other thing is, um, I have confirmed that Jameis Winston did indeed have LASIK surgery. So there, all your suspicions were true. The Instagram post with the the heavy black glasses and all of that that you would get walking out of an eye surgery. Well, he's had it. So. You know, just another reason not to get rid of Jameis Winston because what if all this time it was just his nearsightedness that has pre- contributed to the uh, to the interception? See, now it, you have to bring him back just to find out if it was the eye. If it, it was the eye. In the press conferences, you should have been holding up a couple fingers and said, "How many fingers <laughs> am I holding up?" <laughs> right. Or brought a seeing eye chart to the press conference. That's what you should have been doing the last few years. That's Can you right. read the third line, please? Well, you know, um, he's been asked about this every year. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he was a, a guy who squinted quite a bit. And, and even at the end of the year, um, December 30th, I think to be correct, uh, you know, Bruce Arian said, you know, there's nothing wrong with his eye. He goes, look, he, he can't read the scoreboard, okay? <laughs> but he can see everything else. So, if he although, can't read the scoreboard, look, that's a problem. It's a big damn scoreboard. Uh, exactly. Maybe I mean, he doesn't I, know the down and distance. Look, Maybe he doesn't know the score. Look, I wear glasses, and I remember many, many years ago, and, you know, your eyesight goes gradually. It's not like you yeah, see perfectly one day, and then all of a sudden now you can't see You anything. don't know it's bad until it's really bad. Yeah. But I remember being at a – it was at a basketball – this is 20 years ago or whatever. I was at a basketball game with mm-hmm. my buddy. We are in the upper deck, yeah. and there was something on the scoreboard, and I read it off, and he goes, you can read that? I'm like, yeah, why do you think I'm wearing glasses for? You can't? <laughs> why don't you get your eyes can't, checked? That's right, can't you? <laughs> Yeah. But you know, no, he, it happens. I mean, and, and it turns out he ended up getting his eyes checked recently, shortly after that, and he needed you know glasses. I think he wore contacts, but mm-hmm. uh, but you know he couldn't. You know he he didn't realize. Oh, well, my eyesight's not that good because no. you don't you don't realize it. You don't know what you're missing, as they say in the ads, right? And so, um, you know, and that happened to me. I was I was 26 years old. I'd never worn glasses. I thought I had good vision, and then um, normally I would cover high school games from the field level, so you know, been a problem. But then I had to go up. In a press box one day, and I couldn't read the numbers. <laughs> I literally didn't know who carried the ball. So I was like, wow, my eyes are really screwed up. I should be able to see this. 
And then I got glasses, and then it was like, oh, man, they've been bad for a while. <laughs> There's street signs that I can read now and everything. So it's just you just don't notice it. But um, but Jameis has known he's been nearsighted for a while, and I think he wears glasses, you know, to do mm-hmm. in his everyday life. Um, I've certainly seen him with them, but, you know. So now, now we got that problem solved. So see, we're slowly... Slowly, we still can't have nice things, but we're slowly, yeah. uh, you know, correcting some so of the. So Jameis will the, be able to see the new uniforms down the field. That's exactly right. And if the numbers are big enough, well, they won't even have to be big now. They can just be normal size numbers. You don't, you don't have to make them bigger just so he can uh, figure it out. But yeah, that's what we got. So, all right, Diana Neros joins us now, and uh, Diana, let's let's go back uh, just a couple nights ago. Uh, well, certainly, we're going to talk about the players uh, who were injured, but I think that made. Uh, in some ways, that that win in overtime against Pittsburgh so impressive. Um, but let's start with Yanni Gord because I mean, here's a guy that everybody knows has been sort of in this goal slump, right? And and I don't know how you explain this, other than it just wasn't going in. Um, but what a time for him to break out of that 35 game uh, goalless streak, and and just boy, the reaction his players had. Just speak to to what they were saying after the game. I think the most incredible moment, other than the actual goal is Victor Hedman pretty much cutting off Braden Point because he was so excited to get to Gord and celebrate with Gord that he, I'm sure, and completely without realizing it, just stepped in front of Point, who's also trying to get to Gord, to get there first. You know, that just shows how excited they were. And everyone had to touch him. Like, yes, there's always excitement after an overtime goal. But, no, usually that's kind of like, I don't know, a little more controlled, whereas this was just like an epic mob scene of a group hug and everyone had to get a hand on him and then if you somehow weren't in that first hug or run that outside of it then you got a second hug with him you know just everyone wanted to share in that and it was not about the overtime goal it was the fact that the overtime goal broke his drought this mm-hmm. is about him breaking his drought as much as it was about the win and you know just that excitement obviously his excitement, but just how much everyone on the team felt that for him was really special. And um, just goes to show how valued he is on this team. One of the things that was so interesting about this drought is most players, they go through a drought and it's more obvious. You, it wasn't hard to forget that Yanni Gord has not scored a goal because he was doing other things. It was not like you were watching him on the ice being like, what are you even doing here? You know, there's some guys, if they stop scoring, they're just not productive. And he's not mm. one of them. So he found other ways to be just as productive um, because he is not, he can score goals, he does score goals, but he is not solely a goal scorer. So the four check and the PK and um, his presence uh, kind of, you know, as an energy boost with that fourth line. That fourth line was setting up opportunities, even if they weren't turning into his goals. So all of that was part of why everyone was so excited for him, that this wasn't somebody who mopes through his slump. He was still extremely impactful on this team. And then finally he got through with that goal, and that goal in such a crucial moment uh, just made everything so much bigger and better. Uh, it was it was a terrific scene. It really came through even on television. Uh, you see reactions after game winning goals and overtime, but not not like that. As you mentioned, every last guy had to go up to him the way they do, uh, you know, with a goaltender after a game almost. 
Um, you know, how do you explain? I mean, we've, you've been around sports a long time, and, and you've seen these things not just in hockey, but how do you explain a slump like that? Um, it's not as if he's counted on to score, you know, a ton of goals anyway, because as you mentioned, he does so many other things. Um, but is it bad luck? Does the do people start to just depress? Is it, how do you explain something like that? Uh, all of the above. Um, yeah. There was definitely just some bad luck. There were there were chances on an empty net that hit the post. There was there was mm. definitely luck there. But also, he stopped taking chances at some point. Um, the mm. one that sticks out as the most obvious was that Dallas game that's a couple weeks ago now. But he had a good opening and good look at the net, and he passed to Carter Verhage, who really was kind of past the point of being able to take a shot and didn't have a great chance. Um, you know, that's the glaring example. There were other instances like that where he just started passing the puck more and wasn't taking as many shots. And then the ones he's, you know, it gets in your head. You know, anything you feel like you're not doing well gets yeah. in your head. And he said, you know, goal, games 10 through 20 without a goal, it was all he could think about. And then after mm. that, he tried thinking about it less and focusing on all those other parts of his game and just waiting for it. But that yeah. doesn't mean you stop thinking about it altogether. And anything sure. that you're focusing on becomes so much harder, right? I mean, again, like beyond sports, that's just how life works. When you're trying so hard to do it right, you think too much. And thinking is the uh, kind of the enemy of the athlete in a way. So um, it all just becomes so big that the idea of getting a goal and breaking through seems almost far-fetched in a subconscious way. So all of that just kind of kept snowballing, kept snowfalling, and all of a sudden you're 35 games without a goal, and everyone's like, wait, how did that happen? Mm. Yeah, it was, it was surprising how long it had been. And, um, you know, what was great about that game is, uh, and not so great for the Lightning necessarily, but but so many guys, um, you know, they were dropping like flies. I mean, you know, obviously they didn't have Ryan McDonough, but then you see Anthony Sorelli go, go down, Nikita Kucherov. Of course, they were without Steven Stamkos. A lot of people logged a lot of minutes, uh, Diana. I mean, just what kind of a gut check was this for this team? You say a lot of people logged in a lot of minutes. There's no clearer um, example. During overtime, Mikhail Sergachev, Mitchell Stevens, and Andre Palat got stuck on the ice for two minutes. Mm. Now, two minutes can be hard to picture what that looks like in real, real time. Hockey shifts are like 30 <laughs> seconds to maybe a minute. In yeah. overtime, playing three-on-three three, hockey shifts are 30 seconds and under. Two yeah. minutes of a shift is nearly unheard of. And right. they did this in the second game, second consecutive overtime game. And to say the, the, the exhaustion on their faces, even as they're playing this, and they still managed to shut down the uh, Penguins' top two guys. They were playing against Sidney Crosby and – of getting Malkin. This was not, you know, it is, oh, you know, kind of scrub line they're going up against either. And to see how they gutted through it, they were actually the only two guys or the last two guys to congratulate Gord because they were still on the bench catching their breath when Gord yeah. scored that goal. Um, and that's what it took this team to get through that game. You know, guys are playing extra time, uh, down two forwards, down five total guys injured, and how either before or during that game. Um, and, you know, second game of the back-to-back, second overtime, they've played a bunch of really physical games in a short period of time, going back to last Thursday when they played the Penguins um, and then the Islanders, Columbus, 
and the Penguins, again, all these like very physical, gritted out kind of games. So that was really a, you know, let's see what you got. Let's see what you're made of kind of game that they won on Tuesday. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah, for sure. And and look, I mean, Mitchell Stevens is a young player. I thought he did a lot of things. Um, you know, the 200 feet of things, really. This is, this is clearly his best game. I know opportunity presented that, you know. But by the same token, he really delivered. they got to be happy with what they have in him. Oh, definitely. You're right. That was definitely his best game. He played. He played hard and he played smart, which yeah. are two crucial things when you're down other players. I mean, yeah, those are crucial things all the time, right? But when you're down guys, you playing mm-hmm. smart becomes so much more important. I'm going to, again, mm-hmm. go back to that overtime shift um, when all three of them really – you know, they started playing closer to the net once they're getting really tired right, because right. that way you conserve some of your energy. And sometimes it's just those little things that can go mm-hmm. so far in being a smart hockey player. Um, so he really, he, you know, he's not a guy who's going to show up on that score sheet from Tuesday night, but he stood out for exactly that 200-foot game of, you know, uh, actually it was great that he was playing with Palat, uh in that overtime because that's kind of who he looked like. Um, you know, in shades of Sorelli there, who, you know, those, those guys who are uh, a little more defensively minded can obviously contribute offensively, but play that role and, and just kind of clamp down in those times. And he did that so well, uh, Stevens did on Tuesday. The guy who never seems like he gets tired and he's had to pull even more minutes, of course, is Victor Hedman. Um, still, I think, maybe one of their, if not their most valuable player. We can certainly talk about Kucherov and Stamkos, too. Um, but but Hedman is so steady out there. And, you know, I don't know if this catches up to him down the road or not. He seems to do this whenever he's needed every year, right? He definitely does. And that's actually one of the biggest things that Ryan McDonough has brought to this team is taking some of the weight off of Victor Hedman. If you mm-hmm. look at Victor Hedman's minutes with a healthy Ryan McDonough, not the last few games, right, compared right. to before they had McDonough, his minutes have gone down in a good way because they're able mm-hmm. to conserve some of him. Now his minutes are so high in these last few games without McDonough or in the stretch uh, before the break without McDonough. And he he does. He, he, he does it, and he does it well, and he doesn't seem to tire throughout a game. Obviously, he's human, so he does. But... And what he really is so impressive, he is the guy in so many situations. He's the quarterback on the power play. He's plays the PK, and now without McDonough, he's back to being a primary PKer. Um, and then, of course, five on five, and he's been so good this year. It really uh, is impressive to, to see him be able to do all of those things all on with that level of success. All right, this may take us a while to go through all the injuries, so I'm not really sure exactly where to start. Obviously, McDonough has been out for a while. We still have Steven Stamkos, who missed both games on this uh, this mini road trip. 
Um, and then, you know, I mean, when you're looking at guys like Anthony Sorelli, what, what happened to him? Where is Nikita Kucherov's concerns? I mean, just take us through as much as you can as we talk uh, and do this podcast uh, before the Lightning play Edmonton, um, sort of where these guys are at and how serious they think these are. So with McDonough and Jan Ruda being the two oldest injuries, they both were hurt, have been out about a week, and we were, Cooper said, uh, Coach John Cooper said to give it a couple of weeks and then reevaluate. So we're still a little bit out on learning much more about them. Um, Steven Stamkos did not travel to Columbus and Pittsburgh. Uh, Cooper was hopeful that he would be available on Thursday. And typically, Cooper uses the term hopeful when the guy is pretty much ready to play minus a setback. So it's kind of that, like, yeah, he's going to play, but something could still go wrong, so I'm not going to guarantee anything, Mm -hmm. um, is how I interpret hopeful after a year and a half of um, asking him for injury updates and seeing what happens afterwards. Right. So, and then Sorelli. So Sorelli took a shot from Malkin, which is exactly how McDonough was hurt a week ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, good thing with that. The Lightning don't have to play the, um, the Penguins anymore in the regular season, at least, and won't have to yeah. block any more of Malkin's shots. Right. Um, but he went out, and so was blocked shot injuries are kind of hard to gauge because it might just be a deep bruise and you ice it for a day and you can play. But they also can cause sneaky injuries. Um, I've seen fractures off of block shots that keep guys out for weeks. Actually, that's what happened to Palat last year early in the season. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say exactly how to expect what to expect from that is not expected to be a major injury. Um, and it helps that the Lightning didn't skate on Wednesday, though he probably wouldn't have even if they did, but everyone got a day to recover. Sure. Um, so we didn't get an update with them not skating on Wednesday, but initially did not seem to be a long-term issue. Um, but got to kind of say that with some caution because those are so hard to gauge. And then as far as Kucherov goes, um, interestingly, these are all lower body injuries and only two of them were sustained in the same way. Um, Mm. Goes to show how many ways you can get hurt in the game of hockey, I guess. But um, Kucherov, uh, again, not expected to be a long-term thing. Um, He um, got uh, jammed up along the boards a little bit awkwardly behind the net last night at the end of the second period, or Mm. sorry, on um, Tuesday. And so, again, doesn't look like it's going to be a big thing, but just kind of hard to gauge without having seen what they looked like on Wednesday um, to know exactly what that means for tonight's game against Edmonton, but probably not something that's long-term if he does miss tonight's game. Well, look, I mean, I don't know how they can play much better. I mean, they're definitely playing a different style of hockey this year, right? They were winning a lot of games, won the President's Cup a year ago. Hell, may have may win it again uh, the way they're the way they've played and, and how they're running down Boston um, but it's clear Diana that that this team um, knows how to protect the lead uh, is conscious of their defense is playing uh, the style that you would have to play if you're not relying uh, on the power play like I saw a stat the other day where this streak is very similar uh, to one they had you know at least one of the ones they had last year or where they're at sort of um, and it showed that you know they're not allowing as many goals, and they're not also not scoring, not not relying as much on the power play to score. 
Well, right now they can't rely on the power play. Well, it's, no, I, it's last true. Night was, on Tuesday night was the first one in nine yeah, games. There's they that. are. Yeah. Uh, there was another penalty yeah. after that. So I believe, I don't have it in front of me, I believe they are now four of 45 in 2020. <laughs> okay. Like this Point year, taken. calendar year. Yeah. It's not good. That, that matters. But you're right. The yeah. fact that they are winning without that. Uh, just because I brought it up, the power play, it's not something specific that's wrong with the power play um, mm-hmm. because every game it's something different. It's a lot to do with how teams are scouting them and how the penalty kills are playing against them and jamming them up in different ways. And mm-hmm. they'll make adjustments, I'm sure, and get out of this, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they do, they'll be even more dangerous. But, yes, the fact that they're winning without needing that, to be able to right. sustain this win streak while your power play is the worst in the league – while you're on that, uh, not the win streak, but the, this hot run going back to uh, December 23rd when that 10-game sure. streak started, um, doing that with your power play being miserable is kind of unheard of. So it really is impressive that they've picked up all of the other areas of their game to be able to do that. Um, because you mentioned that they're right behind Boston, I'm going to make a point that I was wrong. So I wrote in my column, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago now, now, that as good as the Lightning were playing and as quickly as they were picking up points, it was going to be very hard to catch Boston. Well, Mm. they showed me. Yep, (laughs) they ran them down, no doubt. They ran down the Caps, they ran down Boston, they're right in the thick of it. We could honestly see them on a run for another President's Trophy. Now, if you want to talk about that being a curse or whatnot, we can get to that <laughs> at a later point. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, this was a team that in October everyone was afraid had just gone too far trying to fix something and had broken everything. And now mm-hmm. we're seeing them right back in the thick of it to be top of the league. Not just you know solidly in playoff place or anything else, but they are competing to be at the top of the league once again. So clearly we're seeing some things come together and working. And I think I just answered like five things that weren't even what you asked. Well, that's, that's, that's good analysis though. And, <laughs> and uh, that's why we talked to you and not have me talk about the lighting. I did want, I did want to, uh, to have you do this break down this game tonight against Edmonton. I mean, no Connor McDavid, of course, uh, much to the chagrin of a lot of people. Um, but uh, nonetheless, a, a pretty good Edmonton team. So how do you see this one going? And again, not knowing who's available might be a big part of the story, right? Right. So we don't know exactly who's going to be in the Lightning's lineup, though I guess the past two games have taught us that maybe it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the Oilers without McDavid are a different Oilers, but Drysaddle is, uh, I think he had four points in the first game without McDavid. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I have that right, something, you know, some big number of points, which is what he's done all year. And it's not just, oh, McDavid props him up by any means. Anyone who wants to make that argument, no incorrect um he is having a great year totally of his own and uh probably looking like the uh art ross scoring Mm. trophy um goes to him this year and uh so that's going to be interesting against the oilers um what can they do to contain him they have contained some other sharp sharp shooters uh they contained crosby on tuesday for example but it'll definitely be interesting to see what they can do against Saddle tonight. She's Diana Nerosen. She covers the uh, hottest team in the National Hockey League, the Tampa Bay Lightning, although they're missing some pieces. But uh, she will be there tonight to bring you uh, all the action. Of course, you can read her on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. Thanks, Diana. Thanks for having me.
And just a final note here, the Lightning have recalled Alexander Volkov, so that likely means that Nikita Kucherov or Anthony Sorelli uh, will probably be missing from tonight's game against the Oilers. And the Rays pitchers and catchers officially report today. Uh, Steve, did you see some uh, new rules handed down for baseball this season? To start with, I thought the most interesting or significant one might be that every pitcher that's in the game must face a minimum of three batters. Yeah, well, three batters or the end of an inning. So if you mm-hmm. if there's two outs and you come out and get one batter out and the inning ends, then you can be taken out. But in the middle of an inning, you have to face at least three batters. So you can, you're not going to bring that left-handed specialist in for one batter, unless obviously they can end the inning if that that you know with two right. outs there. So um, that that's been talked about, but it's now official. There's a 26 man roster now instead of 25. Mm-hmm. There's a maximum of 13 pitchers you can carry. Oh wow! Uh, until September, which then the rosters go to 28, not to 40. And you okay. can carry up to 14 pitchers at that point. So the two-way players like Shohei Otani or potentially uh, Brendan McKay, uh, mm-hmm. you can count as a position player and pitch in games without counting towards that 13-pitcher limit. So oh. it kind of counts on the roster as a, uh, as a hitter instead. So it actually allows you to kind of carry an extra pitcher. But you have to qualify from previous seasons and how many innings you pitch in that. Uh, position players can only pitch if a game goes to extra innings now or if oh, a wow. team is winning or losing by six runs. So you can't use a uh, – a if you're up five runs in the ninth, you cannot use a position player to pitch or down mm-hmm. five runs out of that. Um, doubleheaders, you get a 27th man. Like You had been getting a 26th man for doubleheaders, but – uh, because of uh, there's a 26 man roster now, so you get that 27. Uh, pitchers and two way players are returning to a 15 day injured list instead, but position players will still have a 10 day IL. And challenge time managers now have 20 seconds to decide to challenge a play instead of 30. Wow. Okay, trying to speed up the game, obviously with these rules, and uh, they seem like they seem fairly good to me. I don't think it's going to make a dramatic change, except that. Um, you know, limit the amount of trips to the mound, and then that that presumably will speed up the game with the uh, with the pitchers having to face uh, three batters or at the end of an inning. So, interesting rules. We'll talk more about that as the week goes on. I'm sure the Rays pitchers and catchers, as I mentioned, officially report today. Hey, Matt Baker is going to join us to talk about Sunday's Daytona 500. That will be on tomorrow's podcast. So that's something to look forward to. And folks, uh, if you haven't been out to Tampa Bay Downs, what what's keeping you there? I mean, look, this is one of the top. Tampa Entertainment Landmarks, all the way going back to 1926. The weather is beautiful. There's something for everyone at Tampa Bay Downs. In addition to the Thoroughbred Horse Racing, uh, they also feature uh, no-limits action in the Silks Poker Room. You can work on your golf swing at the Downs Golf Practice Facility. And, of course, they got live racing there uh, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The gates open at 11 a.m. Post time is 12.25, and the excitement is always fast and fun. There's truly something for everyone at Tampa Bay Downs, the premier multi-entertainment destination on Florida's Gulf Coast. You can call Tampa Bay Downs at 813-855-4401 and make sure to make plans to live it up at the Downs. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm-hmm. 